Abundance of love Abundance of grace Nailed to that cross You took my place Oh God You paid my ransom My ransom Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. Pick up from there in 1 Thessalonians 4.13, the Bible says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so you will not grieve like other people who have no hope. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, We Have Hope Where Others Don't, Part 2. Look at somebody say Part 2. Pray with me. God, thank you for hope. Thank you for your word, Father. And I pray now that you would let us hear what you have to say to us, God. I pray that you would use me to speak sound doctrine, Father. Teach us from your word by your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope that you have hope. I hope that you are not hopeless. I have seen lots of people in my life who were going through a time of being hopeless and that is a miserable time, and it's not a time that any father wants to see his child in. When the father knows he's made provision for the child, he wants the child to rejoice in that provision. When a father knows that he has great things in store for his children, he wants the children to be happy. I want you to know God wants you to be happy. God has made provision for you. God has made uh, a place for you, and God wants you to have hope in all that he has Done. Before I get into the message, uh, I, I want to ask you to, some of you I know have already been, some of you may or may not have heard about the tragedy that happened yesterday in a Jewish synagogue in Pittsburgh. Some crazy man walked in there shouting, death to all Jews, all Jews must die, and just started killing people. And, and so, you know, we got all the gun haters out saying we got to get guns off the street. They'll drive cars over sidewalks and run over people with cars. They'll drop bombs. Uh, more people are killed in America with knives than guns. More people are killed in America with fists and blunt objects than knives and guns. They just beat each other to death. Um, we, we need to understand that the problem that we have in this world is a sin problem. It's a hate problem. It's a racial problem. It's a human problem. And there are lots of people. Uh, I mean, we, we, we think back... Um, to, to the, the, all these churches that are having people walk in them. And, and I pray that never happened in our church. I, I pray that it doesn't. Um, but listen, you better make sure that your soul is right with God. I heard somebody say, I, I'm, I'm just going to have to stop going to church. All these churches are getting shot up. Uh, people getting shot in the street too. You can't stop going to the street. People, get, people getting shot in, in the IHOP parking lots. You can't, you can't quit going uh, in, in the community. Uh, it, it's not where you go. It's not where you are. It, it's what's going on at the time. And we have got a messed up world, and we've got some severely sick people and hateful people in this world, people that, that just are, are just out there, so far out there. Um, they need prayer, but I, I believe more than anything, we need to uh, be compassionate toward the victims. We need to pray. I want you to spend some time praying. If it's just two seconds uh, this week, uh, ask God to comfort those people. A husband and a wife died yesterday side by side in church together. Two brothers died yesterday sitting together in church side by side. And these things, listen, I would love to stand up here and, 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 and just blow sunshine all over you and pretend like things are going to get better. Things are going to get worse. Things are going to get worse. This, this world, is it, we're not long for this world. The Bible says in the last days there will be an ex escalation of sin. And we have seen this escalation of sin. We have seen hatred. We have seen, listen, the Bible says, and I, and I can remember, the first person I ever heard say this was Bishop McLaughlin. He said it 30 years ago, and I'd never heard anybody say this. Um, so I studied it out because when your preacher says something that you're not sure of, you ought to go to the Bible and make sure it's right. Amen. Don't just believe it because some dude with a microphone said it. Go to the Bible. Make sure that what's being said agrees with the word of God because the book is what's right. Amen? But he said where the scripture says in the last days, kingdom will rise 
against kingdom. Uh, he, he said then, and I'd verified it, that what it is literally saying is that ethnos will rise against ethnos, that ethnic groups will come against each other. And that made me scratch my head because I've spent most of my adult life trying to create harmony inside the church uh, over and above beyond ethnic groups and uh, racism and prejudice. And I want you to know that we are going to watch something, I believe, in our lifetime where we see these, I mean, and you see it with the, the Irish rising up uh, against everybody. They want to fight over in the United Kingdom. We, we, we've got all these different groups of Muslims fighting each other around the world. We, we've got racial cleansing going on in Europe. And people, I've, I've heard so many people say, well, you know, God wouldn't let that happen in America. And America's always going to be okay because we put God first. Really? When, we, when we've got one of, the, one of the two largest political groups uh, uh, in the nation voting to take God out of the platform altogether, when, when, when we've got all politicians claiming that they love Jesus, when you can tell by their life they really don't, every one of them claiming salvation but with no fruit. Is anybody listening to me? Uh, send me, send, go ahead, send me. I, I'll tell you what, for one time, I'll answer your email. Send me your favorite po- saved politician, uh, and, and, and I'll research 700 hours of dirt on them. Oh, Lord, not, not Corrine. Oh, we can't say not Corrine Brown anymore because she's in prison. Oh, 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 not, not. Well, and some of them are going to prison from, from the highest to the lowest on their way. Um, I'm not saying that everybody in politics is crooked, but what I am saying is we're living in the last days, and the Bible says in the last days perilous times shall come. Kingdom's going to rise up against kingdom. Uh, sin is going to be running rampant. I, I tell you, I knew it when I was younger, but I'm living into it now as I'm getting older. I knew it when I was younger. I think about people my grandmother's age and think, man, it must be tough on old people who used to see the world one way and see what it's become. Who used, to, who used to be able to leave doors unlocked but now have to lay inside and wonder what that noise was outside their door every time they hear a cat walk by. We, we are living in a time where the church needs to be praying. We're living in a time where we need to be uniting. We're living in a time where if you have realized that the thing that makes us one is not our political persuasion, not our melanin. My melanin got all messed up this week. I went to South Carolina, did not take my sunscreen. I thought, I'm going to the mountains. I left my sunscreen at home, ended up on a boat for four hours and got sunburned. The thing that makes, see, if, if, if you let melanin, uh, separate you from your brothers and sisters in Christ, you need to realize that melanin is changeable. That, hey, I didn't always know that. I, I can remember the uh, first time it really stood out to me was in third grade. Third grade, I was playing baseball. I, I was on a team, and, uh, and I was the catcher, the, the, the pitcher on our team. Obviously, I was white, the pitcher on our team. I'm still white. I, uh, the pitcher on our team was, was black. And it's like, okay, we got different melon. I didn't know brother could catch a farmer's tan. This dude took his shirt off. He, well, he wasn't as white as me. Nobody's white as me. But a uh, few people. Uh, charities in them running. But <laughs> we, this, uh, seriously, I mean, he was dark from here down. So if you're going to let melanin separate you from people, you better check their tan first. We've got to decide that we are all one in the body of Christ. And Greg checking for his farmer's tan. You little brown, you little browner on the bottom side. I see it from here, man. Don't the, the, the lights was glowing off that off that white shoulder. Keep keep your sleeves down, man. Stay black. That was funny, wasn't it? The world wants to separate us on all different types of things. We need to we need to draw a line in the sand. And we need to say no matter what happens with this earth and no matter what the politicians or the media tells us, we're going to love God and we're going to love God's people and we're not going to war with God or God's people. Because this thing's only going to escalate. This thing is only going to increase as we go. But last week I started talking to you about uh, some end-time events. Theologians call eschatology, the study of future events, the things that are going to happen at the end of the earth. 
And if I were to have started last week, or even if I started today and handed you out a piece of paper and listed several big events that the Bible predicts will happen at the end, I know most people could not put those events in the proper order. Not just most church people, most pastors couldn't put those events in the proper order because the scripture prophesied that in the last days there'd be a famine. Not a famine for food, but a famine for the word of God. There's just not a lot of proper understanding about the word of God uh, in the earth today. So I want to do some teaching to you today, picking up from where we left off last week. We read this verse, verse 13 in 1 Thessalonians 4, and it says, Now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so you will not grieve like other people who have no hope. God has inspired the Apostle Paul to speak to these believers at, uh, in Thessalonica. It's a city in, in the world at that time. And they were concerned because they had been told since Jesus died and was resurrected that he was coming back. So literally, the, listen, it'd be cool if Christians lived this way now. Back then, literally every day they were thinking, is, is today the day? Is he coming back today? Is this going to be the day when we get out of here? Is this, is, is this kicking off day? Is this when it really starts to ramp up? And people were dying in that process. And the people who were alive, they were like, oh, snap. Mama Jones died. Uh, and, and Jesus didn't come back yet. I guess she missed it. And they were thinking because Jesus was coming back and they died in the meantime and between time that they had missed it. So God inspires the Apostle Paul to write to the church at Thessalonica then to let them know about these end time events. And this is the cool, one of the coolest things to me about the whole Bible. The fact that God could take one man to write a letter to a group of people 2,000 years ago, but so inspire it and so fill it full of life and power that it would be revelation for us 2,000 years later. This was specific to them then, but it's still real for us now. Can you agree with that? So they, they, were, they were confused. They, they, they were wondering what's going to happen to the people who died before Jesus comes back. Well, there's been a lot of people who died since Jesus rose from the dead and has come back. And the scripture tells us clearly what is going to happen. And, and the word says, uh, talking to Christians, brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so you will not grieve like people who have no hope. We saw last week that there is grieving for everybody, but for Christians, if you have a Christian who died that you care about, you don't have to grieve like other people who have no hope. I swear I wish I could get an us and a them mindset in the body of Christ. There's a lot of us and them mindset in the body of Christ. Uh, Minority groups understand at a high level us and them. Uh, clan understand at a high level us and them. Racists understand at a high level us and them. People around the world understand us and them. I wish as Christians we could understand who the real us is and who the real them is. The, we, we don't grieve the way they grieve because we have hope. Say hope. Our, our hope is in resurrection. You know, the Bible says that if there's no resurrection, we above all men are most miserable. What if you're doing all this that you're doing and there's no, no resurrection? Now, I've thought about that a lot because I heard a lot of preachers preach on that angle. But honestly, to me, and, and, and don't get the theology twisted, this is just me thinking outside the box. If there was no life after this life, I'd still want to be able to talk to God in this life. If there was no life after this life, I'd still want to have the peace in my heart that comes from knowing Jesus loves me. I, I'd say, but listen, if you're, some, some people think, well, I'm not really, I haven't really given up. You know, if you're a real Christian, there's going to be stuff that you change in your life. There's going to be things that you give up. There's going to be things that you let go of. There's going to be people that you let go of. There's going to be money that you let go of. There's going to be a different life that you have as a believer than that you had before being a believer and the thing that is going to make that ultimately worth it all is that one word resurrection there are people who will die and have died uh in between the time jesus rose from the dead and the time he's coming back and i and we don't need to be concerned with what happened to them listen god's got them if they were saved now, the sad reality is there's a flip side to that. There, there's a flip side. There are people who have to grieve with no hope because if your loved one died without Christ, 
then you, you can just pacify yourself all that you want to, but the Bible teaches there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. Now, now what I, I'm going to tell you what I personally do, because I've had people die that, that gave no testimony for Christ in their life, and I don't do this to pacify myself. I do this because I know that God is gracious and merciful, and I have hope for them. Uh, I know that God will save somebody if they call out with their last breath. Amen? And, 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 you, and you need to be encouraging everybody you know. You, you better call on Jesus. You better call on Jesus. And, and, but there's, there's a time where people die, and then they have to go somewhere. And there's a time where we're going to die or taken off this earth, and we are going to go somewhere. We saw last week that uh, in, in verse 14, the Bible says, For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that Jesus, when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. When Jesus comes back and he said he would return for us, he's bringing them, who's them? Believers who died between that time, believers who died before that uh, resurrection. See, because everybody who's ever been saved got saved one way by looking at the cross, by looking at the sacrifice Messiah made for our sins. Old Testament believers look forward to the cross uh, they, they were way back then. They looked forward to the cross by faith. We look back at the cross by faith. But all those who have died in faith, the Scripture says that Jesus, that God is going to bring them back with him when he returns. Well, we saw last week Jesus died. He said he had to go down like Jonah went in the belly of the whale for three days. Jesus went down to the belly of the earth for three days, led captivity captive. We talked about some uh, interesting words Sheol, abode of the souls of the dead. We looked at how there was a great gulf fixed between the good side and the bad side. Jesus emptied out the good side. Hell began to enlarge itself so it could make room for more people. I'm going to tell you something. If you don't want Jesus, there's room in hell for you. Did you hear me? I've had people look me in my face and say, I, I'm ready to go to hell. All my friends are there. There ain't going to be no friends in hell. The Bible says hell is full of torments with an S, plural, and it's in outer darkness. And it's not anywhere you want to be. And I thank God we don't have to be there. Amen. We, we saw that the scripture teaches to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Now I want to get into the, the, the finishing of this passage of scripture in verse 15. The scripture says, we tell you this directly from the Lord. Colon. Always pause on the punctuation. Take the Bible in bite-sized pieces. Digest it. Get it down in your system. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We need to be able to separate what is man's opinion and what is God's word. We need to be able to separate what preachers preach and what God says. Sometimes preachers are preaching what God says. Sometimes they're just talking about other stuff. And we need to understand that the things that this book teaches are perfect. The things this book teaches are not to be questioned. The things this book teaches are always right. Can five people say amen? This is directly from the Lord. And he's letting them know. Now, he's writing a letter to these people. He, he, they're not aware that this, this letter is going to be around 2,000 years later in our Bible. They had the writings of Moses as their Bible, the prophets Isaiah and Jeremiah as their Bible. We have a complete, more full set of words in this Bible. And this, everything in this book is directly from the Lord, including this passage. He said, we who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who died. So he's back to teaching them, letting them know, listen, grandmama's all right. Grandmama's going to be okay. Grandmama's with the Lord. Because they were thinking, oh man, Jesus is going to come back for us, but what about the ones that died? He's letting them know, we're not going to meet him ahead of those. There's an order to things. Say order. Wake your brother up. There is an order to things that we need to see and we need to understand as believers. And I want you to understand proper theology. So we're going to set some things in place this morning, and I want you to get them. Number one, I want you to understand. Look at what the Word says. We who are still living when the Lord returns. If you don't get anything else out of this message today, get this. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. He's coming back bringing everybody who died in faith with him, and he's coming back for those who are born again. 
He's not coming back for people who are half saved because you can't be half saved. I hear people tell me all the time, I'm mostly saved. I'm trying to get saved. Listen, it's like pregnant. You is or you ain't. Pastor, pray for me. I think I'm kind of pregnant. What, y'all got some common core pregnancy going on? Y'all got some new math pregnancy to handle? What, what? I mean, you, 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 you are either born again or you are not born again. And you, you better make sure that you have Bible salvation because the Lord is coming back. But they said, we who are still living. Now, here's the good thing. Thank God this wasn't only written to people 2,000 years ago. Thank God that it was written for us too. Because how many of those people at the church of Thessalonica that knew the Apostle Paul uh, by face, sight, recognition, and could talk to him, how many of them people going to still be living when the Lord comes back? Not on this earth. They've all died. They all died in faith. They're all part of the people that we are not going to meet him ahead of those who have died because all those people, I don't think any of them living for 2,000 years. I'm confident that they didn't, but this word is for us still today, and I believe it. I really do. I believe that there are people in this room that are going to be alive when Jesus comes back. Now, I've had people say, well, you know, Paul believed that too. Yes, he did. The first century Christians believed that, and it had an impact on the way they lived their life. It had an impact on the way they handled their business. I believe if you knew the Lord was coming back today, you might clean some things up. You might set some things in order. The problem is we don't know the day or the hour. He, he, he's he's going to come, the Bible says, like a thief in the night. He's going to show up when some people least expect him. You better be expecting him all the time. Keep your house clean, company's coming. You know some of y'all clean up extra when company's coming? Company's coming. They're just, and, and they're not going to call when they're around the block. They're not going to call, oh, we're, we're, we're 15 minutes out, just wanted to let you know. You know, that's just one uh, nice person letting another nice person know, hey, clean your junk up because I know we don't want to embarrass you with your, your underwear all in the kitchen floor. <laughs> clean it up. Company's coming. Come, this, this company's not ringing the doorbell. This company's not texting in advance. This company is not calling ahead. This company's going to show up, bam, and you're either going to be ready or you're not going to be ready. But the Scripture says, that for those of us who are alive, and I believe there are going to be people in this room alive. I've had people ask me for a long time, Pastor Scott, you really believe that we're going to be alive when the Lord comes back? I really do. I, I, I believe that with all my heart. I don't believe the world can get much worse. They've been saying that for a long time. Uh, but the Scripture says we're nearer now than when we first believed. When I got saved in July 15, 1981, I believed the Lord was coming back in 1981. Some of the leading eschatologists in the world were writing books about the rapture happening in 1981, the second coming happening in 1988, and I really believe the Lord was coming back. People wonder, how can I still believe it? Because all signs point to it. If I'm riding down 103rd and I I see one of those uh, traffic signals ahead of me and it turns to yellow, guess what I'm believing is about to happen? It's about to turn to red. Well, why would I believe it's about to turn to red? Because all signs point to red. Now, could it just go on flash mode and never turn red and blink yellow? It has. I, 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 I stopped it one the other, the other day. I was driving up on it. It was green. I saw it turn to yellow. I stopped. It just went into flashing. I realized I'm sitting here stopped at a flashing yellow light. Let me hit this gas before somebody runs into me. But I know all signs point to the fact that Jesus is coming back. I'll give you my favorite one because I'm not going to keep you here all day long. But people have been believing Jesus was going to come back in every generation since the Apostle Paul, since the, the, the first apostles. And they, they, they were right to believe that because Jesus said it could happen at a time when nobody knows it. Well, looking back on it now, we see some things as to why it didn't happen then. I'll give you my favorite one just to save you some time. The Scripture says that when these events happen, one, one of the big things that's going to happen is God's going to raise up two miraculously powered um, witnesses for him, and they are going to lay dead on the streets for three days, and the Bible says, and the whole world will see them. Well, you know, when uh, a, thousand, a couple thousand years ago, somebody died over in the other part of the world, everybody couldn't see them. 
a couple hundred years ago when somebody died on the other part of the world. Nobody could see them lay in the street. It hasn't been until in the 1970s when we had the technology to broadcast live via satellite. Now, I mean, uh, they, we, we're giving the enemy tips in war by CNN letting people know where we're at, where, we, where our troops are at. Isn't that right, Sergeant Major? Uh, they, all, you, you can watch the news and find out more about what the war is going on than the generals know. You can watch everything happening live. Listen, you can go on Google Maps right now. This will freak some of y'all out. It ain't tech savvy uh, if you've never done this. You can go on Google Maps right now, Google your house, and see your car sitting in the driveway. Big Brother's watching. And if, hey, listen, if you can see your car on Google Maps, don't you know they can see in your house on the government maps? You, you, hey, I can't, I can't zoom in close enough on my license plate, but I can see, I can see which one's the camera and which one's the navigator. Uh, it, it's just that clear. This technology has not existed before my lifetime. This technology was not around when I was born in 1963, but it's around now. We're the first generation of people who all these things that the Bible says are going to happen could happen in, and that's why I believe more than anything that we're going to be the generation that sees it happen. I hope you're ready. I hope you're ready for the Lord to come back. You better believe he's coming back uh, if you want to be part of what's going to happen when he comes back. But it says, we who are still living, we, we will not meet those ahead, meet him above, ahead of those who have died. He, he's coming, Jesus is coming back. He's bringing those who died with him back with him to get us. That, that belief alone should change our sorrow. He, he uh, should change our level of grief. It, it should change. Listen, uh, well, I, let's just use mama. If mama died in faith, mama's coming back with the Lord to get you. Uh, mama's going to be part of that crowd, part of that procession, part, part of that let, let, let's all get together crowd, and you need to have hope for that. When Christians say, and so many people said yesterday about Brother David as his, as, as his earthen vessel lay right here in a box, so, so many people said, I know I'll see my brother again. That's part of the great hope we have as Christians, that we're going to be reunited with all those who died in faith. And God wanted people to know then and us to know now that we're not going to meet him ahead of those who've died. Well, there's a couple of reasons for that. One, they've already met him. You don't have to worry about well, what happened to people who died before the Lord came back. The Scripture tells us to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Now, their body is in the ground. Their body is where blown up in, 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 a, in, a, in a bomb. Whatever happened to it, uh, that's what I've heard people say, well, I don't want to be cremated because I want my body to get to heaven. Listen, if the Lord can save you from all your sin, he can put your body back together. If God, if, if God can raise himself from the dead, he can put your body back together. I hope you understand that the you that people see on the outside is very different from the you you are on the inside. I hope you understand there's a you that, that people can see that is flesh and bones, and then there's the real you on the inside. Listen, that flesh and bones of David Thomas, that, 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 that's not in heaven right now. We saw that yesterday. But what's on the inside, the, the spirit is in heaven. Verse 16 says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout. Now, the Bible's getting into how this is going to happen, how the Lord is going to come back to get us. He said, uh, in the Gospels, when he was alive on the earth, he told them that I'm going to go and I'm going to prepare a place for you and I'm going to come back and receive you to myself. So where I am, you can be also. This is where the Bible tells us about his coming back. It says the Lord himself. Aren't you glad he's not sending a, uh, a, a second man to come get you? He's going to come get you himself. He's going to show up for you. Listen, you need to understand you're important to God. Doesn't matter who thinks you're important and who thinks you're not important. You're important to God, you need to understand, he's going to come himself from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God. Now, there is a lot of theological discussion going on in this one verse, and I'm not going to tie you down with it because most people don't get tied down in theology, but the scripture says the Lord himself will come, so we know Jesus is coming back, say Jesus, he's coming back from heaven, so where is he now? And, and he's bringing the people who died with him, so where are they now? 
All right, we're learning. He's going to come back with a commanding shout with the voice of the archangel. Now, these things are separated by commas, and, and, and they are either different things or increasing explanations of the same thing. And this is where the argument comes in theologically. Because many times in Scripture, especially in the book of the Revelation, when the Bible talks about God's voice, it says that his voice was loud as a shout. It also says that his voice sounded like that of a trumpet. So either this is a greater explanation of one thing, or it's a list of many things, but we know that Jesus himself's coming back. He's going to bring back those with him that have died in faith. There's going to be a shout. There's going to be the voice of the archangel. Now, there's only one person mentioned in the Bible uh, who's an archangel, and that is Michael. Now, is Michael going to be the one, the trumpet call? Is Gabriel going to blow the trumpet, uh, or is the voice of God a shout that was heard as if it was from the highest angel in heaven, and it sounded like a trumpet. Theological discussion can be had on all this, but you don't want to get tied down in the details. Here's the good news. The Lord is coming back. He's going to come back. There's going to be an announcement of his coming back with a loud voice that sounds like a trumpet and a call from the highest heaven. And here's what's going to happen after this trumpet call. First, the Christians who have died will rise from their graves. Now, here's where theology gets bound up. People are like, well, I thought they were already in heaven. What did I tell you? There, there, there's the outside and there's the inside. Man looks on the outward. God looks on the inward. There, there's the body that housed their spirit, their soul. There's the body that kept, uh, gave us something to look at. That's gone down into the grave. The Bible plainly teaches, and we saw last week, through St. Luke's Gospel, chapter 16, that when you close your eyes in this life, for the last time, you open your eyes up either in heaven or in hell. So how are they who died going to rise from their graves? This is talking about their bodies. Say body. Now here's what's wild. You ought to know that there's more to you than what people see. There's the inner you and there's the outer you. Well, the inner them is already in heaven. The Bible plainly teaches that. The outer them is blown up, burned up, decayed up, or freshly laying in the morgue's office wait, waiting to get done up and suited up and dressed up. That's the, out, the outer bodies is, is in, in a hole somewhere with dirt on top of it. That body has to be delivered into heaven, and I'm going to show you why in just a minute. But it's not saying that Christians are in the grave. It, it, it's Christians who have died, they, their bodies will rise from the grave. Listen to what Scripture tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 50. Talking about the same situation to the Christians at Corinth. Paul said, what am I saying, dear brothers and sisters? Is that our, what I am saying is that our, our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. These dying bodies cannot inherit what will last forever. This is why the body doesn't go straight to heaven. Because the body can't endure heaven. It can't last forever. It, it, it's a different atmosphere. It's a different reality. It, it's, it, 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 it's a place not bound by time. It, it, it's, it's something that this body cannot inherit. So when a believer dies, body goes into ground, soul goes up to heaven. You follow me? He went on to verse 51 to say, but let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. Well, the Bible is full of wonderful secrets. Listen to what it says. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. See, some people are going to die. We'll use Brother David. Brother David just died. Brother David died. His body is going into the ground. His soul is already in heaven. But his body is going to be transformed at some point. We, let's say the Lord came back for, for, for me and all the saved people in the room. I hope that's you. I'll tell you like I always say, if... You show up, if I'm preaching and I disappear and the microphone hits the ground, the first person to get to the mic, start preaching. You can be the pastor of the church. You can have my office. You can have my house. You can have my car. You, you can take my business card, scratch my name out, and you can tell you the pastor. And you can pastor your own church. But it'll be too late for you to make heaven. We'll keep moving. Uh, the body, the people who died, their spirit's in heaven. 
their bodies in the ground. That body has to be transformed. When the Lord comes back for us, if we're still alive, our bodies are going to have to be transformed as well. Verse 52 says, it will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye. The King James says, in the twinkling of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. You see the correlation here? He's talking about what's going to happen at the end when the last trumpet is blown. This is the same teaching that he's talking about in Thessalonians. It says, for when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever, and we who are living will also be transformed. So when this trumpet sounds, when this announcement is made, when God tells Jesus to go get his children, Jesus is going to come back, but he's not going to come back to the earth. That's reserved for the second coming. There's a difference between the rapture and the second coming. The rapture is when Jesus comes back to get his children. The Bible says we'll meet him in the clouds. The second coming, the Bible says his foot will touch down on the Mount of Olives, split that mountain in half, and then it's really going to kick off. But that's some time away. That's down the road. Let's deal with what's next. So when this trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. Will the inner them or the outer them? Is this talking about the inner them or the outer them that's going to be raised to live forever? The outer them. Because the inner them's what? Already there. Follow along. There's five people getting it. You be, you be six. They're, those who have died will be raised. Their bodies will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. Now, if the Lord came back today, snatched me up out of here, here here's the thing. Who gets to go first, my body or David Thomas' body? The dead in Christ shall rise first. We will not go before them. Their body goes up, but it all happens in a blink. It, it all happens quick. It all happens boom, boom, just like that in less than a second. Uh, but their body, let's use Brother David, he's already in heaven, smiling, laughing, hopefully you know, loving on the Lord, fishing, encouraging somebody, uh, smiling. Uh, his body's going to be taken up and transformed into a heavenly body, into a non-corruptible body, the Bible says. And his change from a mortal body to a body of immortality, a body that is built to last forever. Our bodies are not built to last forever. Our body, this is why I, I, I try to tell some of my more charismatic friends who are like, I, I, I called so-and-so back to life. I raised so-and-so from the dead. Listen, don't raise me from the dead. If I die, leave me gone. I'll be happy uh, as I can be. Uh, but but I, I let them know, everybody's eventually going to die. You just can't just, well, I, I, not my children. I speak life over my, do that, do all that. But eventually these bodies are going to wear out. Bodies start wearing out. He told me he played a softball game again. I thought, he, I thought he'd come to the realization his body had wore out. You can't do nothing with him, can you? You can't even talk sense to him. Bodies wore out. He just won't admit it. Give him another year, another foot injury, something will happen. It, it, listen, bodies wear out. But when this last call happens, when this trumpet sounds, the bodies of the dead people going to be snatched up from wherever, buried in the ocean, blown apart by bombs, incinerated in cremation, laying in a hole somewhere in the cemetery. Their body is going to, listen, the scripture says he's coming back and bringing those with him that have gone on. So David Thomas, so uh, spirit's going to be up in heaven with, in a cloud, come to meet, get us. His body's going to jump up, hit him, and God's going to transform his body because we're all going to be transformed. In that moment, in that twinkling of an eye, in that blink of an eye, after his whoop happens, then my whoop is going to happen. I'm going all together. My inside and my outside is going together, but my outside has to be transformed. i got to put on a new suit to house this thing that is on the inside of me. Verse 53 says, for our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Now, he started by saying we're not all going to die. We don't all have to die, but we do all have to be transformed. Some people in this room, I believe, will still be alive when Jesus comes back. Yours is going to happen at the same time. People who die is going to happen separate. Your 
outside and inside going up together. That's called the rapture. The people that died already, their inside's already there. Their outside has to be called up to there. This event has not happened yet, and you ought to be glad. Because if it had happened yet, that means you got left behind and there's no hope for you. Don't be one of those people I've told you before. People say, well, if the rapture happened, oh, Pastor, I've seen the Left Behind movie. If the rapture happened and all the good Christians were gone, I'd pray and ask God to save me. No, the Bible says if you have that knowledge, uh, when the rapture happens, after it happens, God's going to cause you to believe a great lie, and you will not repent. You say, oh, no, I won't be. No, if God causes you to believe the lie, you're going to believe the lie. And y'all have heard me say it before. I think it's the most simple explanation in the world. If a couple million people got snatched up off the planet today, the Bible says two will be in the field. One will be taken, another one will be left. The Bible says two will be on the rooftop. One will be taken, another one will be left. Okay, well, they worked in fields and rooftops. We, we, we work driving cars to work. Two will be in the car. One will be taken, another one will be left. We work flying planes to work. Two, uh, pilot taken, co-pilot left. Co-pilot taking, pilot left. Take, take your pick. Listen, if half the stewardesses disappear, not only are you not going to get your coffee refilled, and no peanuts, you're going to have real trouble worse than that. But this is the events that the church calls the rapture. I told you all last week, a lot of people say they don't believe in the rapture because the word rapture is not in the Bible. Uh, I use the same example. The word Budweiser is not in the Bible either. But you know it's real. And the word rapture is literally in the Latin Bible. Before we had English translation, the Bible, the New Testament, was originally written primarily in Greek. And the Greek word that, that we see, it, that I'm, I'm going to point out to you in just a minute, uh, is the word harpezo. The Latin word transliteration from harpezo was raptus, where we get our English word rapture. This rapture is going to happen for sure, the next verse in our text, 1 Thessalonians 4.17 says, Then, when is then? Then is always after. After these things happen. After what happens? After this trumpet call. After this voice. After this shout. After the dead in Christ rise. After we who are alive and remain are caught up with them to meet the Lord in the air. After all, all these things happen. After what we've seen happens, we who are still alive and remain on this earth, will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. Listen, if you make this event, you're good to go. If you make this event, it's only because your decision was made in advance. If you're saved, you're going to make this event. If you're not saved, you're going to miss this event. The Lord is coming back. There's going to be a shout. There's going to be dead in Christ going to rise first. And then after the dead in Christ rise first, we who are still alive, and I believe some of us will be, we're still going to be on this earth, we're going to be caught up in the what? Clouds. See, this is the difference. This is why the rapture and many theologians mess up. They conflate the rapture and the second coming. The rapture and the second coming are two separate events. In the rapture, the Lord comes back in the clouds. In the second coming, he comes back and puts his foot back on this planet. And then real big things start happening from there on out. So look at, look at the middle of your screen. We who are still alive. People who are still alive when this trumpet call happens. People who are still alive when the Lord comes back to get his own in the clouds. People who are still alive and remaining on this earth will be caught up. Say caught up. That's from the Greek word harpezo. Caught up from the Latin word raptus. This is where we get our word rapture. And here's what it means literally. To be forcibly taken away. Now the greatest use of that in today was still active in that day. The word harpezo is used in another place in the New Testament where it, talk, where it talks about the apostles were taken and led away. They were harpezoed. Now, you want, you want to know where we see that most uh, actively in America today? Bad boys, bad boys, what you going to do? What you going to do when they come for you? When the law snatches you up, they harpezo you. You know why? Because they forcibly take you away. I hear people all the time, once somebody gets roughed up, uh, they didn't have to do all that. Listen, they say put your hands behind your back. You, you can create more forcibly or less forcibly. 
But the, the, the Bible says we are going to be forcibly taken away. Now, I hope nobody in this room gets harpezoed by somebody with a badge and a gun. But I hope you will one day get harpezoed by Jesus. I hope one day Jesus is going to forcibly take you, catch you up, and take you away. And then it says this, then we will be with the Lord forever. It's all over but the shouting then. We, we, we made it. We're on the other side at that point, but we got some time between now and then. How do I know? Because we're still here. But one day we won't be here. Movies do a horrible job with theology. Most songs do a bad job with theology. There's some truth in these left-behind movies. There's some truth in these left-behind books that talk about the time when Jesus comes back and a bunch of people disappear and some bad stuff starts happening. I am going to fast-track this thing and get done. I'm going to get you out of here. Uh, I'm going to be done in the next 11 minutes before the clock hits noon. Watch this. This, don't laugh. On my my Tim's, I'm going to be out of here. At least done preaching. (laughs) Then, after all this stuff happens, then we will be with the Lord forever. Then, after all this stuff happens. So, let let, let me just break break it down to you. What, what, what's really going to go on. I told you, this is a different event. The Bible talks about the second coming. That comes later. First, the next thing on God's calendar of end-time events is the rapture. There are people in this room that don't believe in a rapture, and I don't know why you would choose not to believe that, that God is going to come and catch us up into the clouds because the Scripture plainly says it. Uh, there are people in this room that wonder, have been taught wrong about when the rapture happens, when the tribulation happens. The Bible says there's a time of seven years of great tribulation. Say seven years. Three and a half is going to be good and peaceful. The second three and a half is going to be bad, and God's going to pour his wrath out on a Christ-rejecting world. But the first thing we need to understand, the rapture precedes the great tribulation. And, and we can know that just off common sense. God said he didn't appoint his children under wrath. God always caught his people up before the, the tragedy struck. What happened to Noah and those eight souls? They were lifted up. They were lifted up away from all of God's wrath. What happened to Lot and his family other than his nosy wife? They, they, they rose up and got out. I want you to know the scripture says that God has not appointed his children unto wrath. He is not going to pour his wrath out on us. These liars that are teaching that the church is going to go through the tribulation, they do not understand proper theology, and they do not even yet understand the character of the Father. Because he's not leaving me here for this stuff. I can tell you that for sure. Number one, because I know him. And number two, because I know what the Scripture teaches. The Scripture details all these events in the book of the Revelation. And if you look in the book of the Revelation, it talks about the church in chapters 1, 2, 3, and 4. But after chapter 4, the church disappears before end, while all these events are being laid out about the tribulation and the pouring out of God's wrath, no mention of the church from chapter 4 to chapter 19. Why? Because we're not there. We've already gone in this rapture. Too many people conflate the rapture and the second coming. But if you study the Bible and the character of God, you'll understand that what I'm telling you is true. So here's how it happens. He comes back to meet us in the clouds in the rapture. That is the first thing that's going to happen. Then we got a series of events that's going to happen before the second coming when he comes back and puts his foot on the Mount of Olives. So here's what you need to know. One time he's coming in the clouds. Another time he's coming on the ground. The time he's coming in the clouds, you have an opportunity to get snatched up, caught up, raptured, off this planet with him only if you're saved. Here's the list. I'm going to give you a brief list. We may go into it more on Wednesday nights. This will be more of a Wednesday night class. But here's, here's the list of upcoming events. Rapture is about to happen. I believe that with all my heart. People say, you really believe it could happen in our lifetime? I believe it could happen before we leave this room. Some of y'all sleeping. You mess around, be asleep. We'll all be gone. You'll wake up and think, oh, my church must be over. No, you're the new pastor. After the rapture, immediately following the rapture comes seven years of tribulation. Three and a half years of peace, 
The Antichrist is going to come up. We're going to have a one-world government. He's going to make peace throughout the whole world. They're going to do away with our money. Everything's going to be done off a chip. They already have people taking chips right now, scanning their hand in France. That's trouble right there. I mean, they're getting you used to it already. I saw somebody. I thought, what did I miss? I was sitting at McDonald's the other day. Some dude held his hand up. She wandered across his hand. I said, now they got the chip in, 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 in Oakley. My son said, Dad, that's an Apple Watch. <laughs> hey, you call it what you want to call it. They scanned that brother's hand. I've told you forever, the Bible is a specific book. People talking about, don't take the mark of the beast. They're going to put this number on your forehead uh, no, read what the scripture says. It says, in your right hand or in your forehead. They're going to serve a computer. They're already doing it to dogs. Smaller than a grain of rice. They'd take a needle right there in the scruff of that dog's neck. You got one of them expensive dogs? They will put a microchip in your dog and so they can find that dog forever. They're going to do the same. They're going to be doing the same thing. They already make your kids take these vaccines. Nobody wants them to have. They're already, already, you know, making people take all these shots nobody wants to get. If they come to you and say, you know what, we're going to give these free microchips away to every child in Duval County Schools and Clay County Schools, uh, and that way nobody will be able to steal your child. If they ever get in a car wreck, they'll be able to scan that chip, know their medical record right up front. It's not going to cost you anything. It's going to be fine. It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. It's not going to cost you anything. And people are going to be like, oh, I want to keep my family safe. And it's just going to roll like that. And in three and a half years of everything's going to be good, one world government, listen, do not follow behind effeminate men as leaders. Because the Bible says the Antichrist will be effeminate. The Antichrist is going to be a beta male, soy latte drinking, sweater vest wearing dude. Just as many men going to think he's cute as women do. Don't follow behind these kind of dudes. He's going to rise up. He's going to be the leader of the whole world. We almost have a one-world government now. G20, United Nations, all these people, globalization, all these people making decisions for our country. Let me tell you something. Me, if, if, I, if I was the leader of America, y'all ought to elect me. I'd be better than everybody that's running right now. If I was the leader of America, I'd put, I'd put a fence around the whole country, and I'd let them know. We, we, we're going to take 12 solid months, and we're going to get every problem in this country fixed, and, and we're going to make sure that every, we're going to make decisions for us. Oh, well, well what about this? What, uh, listen, what do they tell you on an airplane? If that mask falls, you got to put the mask around you first. You got to put the mask around you first so you can help everybody else. I want to help everybody else, but we're on a sinking ship right now. We better start plugging some of these holes. And, and, but this dude is going to be one world leader for the whole world. And everybody's going to be staring at the words coming out of his mouth, and it's all going to work for the first three and a half years. That's, that's the first half of the tribulation. But then he's going to reveal, I'm the devil. I, I, I'm, I, I'm here for destruction. And then the wrath of God is going to be poured out for three and a half years. What's going to happen to us? Well, everybody that died in faith and everybody who was alive at the rapture is going to be up in heaven, not twiddling thumbs. We're not going to have wings. Angels have wings. We're not going to have harps. There ain't a whole lot of harps in heaven. We're not going to be dangling our feet off the edge of a cloud fishing. We're going to be doing some other things. We're going to be in heaven. Theologically, the scripture says during this time, there'll be the judgment seat of Christ happening during the seven years of tribulation, the marriage supper of the Lamb happening during the seven years of tribulation. At the end of that seven years of tribulation, the second coming of Christ is going to happen. Jesus is going to come back with thousands and thousands of us. We're going to be riding on white horses. We're going to come back with Jesus. He's going to put his foot down on the Mount of Olives. And then the Bible says it's going to be a thousand years where they tie the devil up. This is wild, y'all. Y'all got to read all this. He's going to tie the devil up in chains, throw him into hell, and it's going to be a thousand years of peace on earth. That's where the Bible says the lion will lay down with the lamb. Animals not going to be scared of each other. They're not going to be scared of people. There's going to be total prosperity and peace. All God's people are going to receive government jobs. Some of y'all ready for that already. All God's people, you're going to get to be part of the Lord's kingdom. You, based on how well you did here, 
you'll be rewarded. Doom. Uh, you, you, some are going to have this much. Others are going to have that much. But if you're faithful over little, he's going to make you a ruler over much. We're going to rule and reign with Christ with a thousand years in the millennial reign. That means a thousand years. At the end of that thousand years, the Bible says that the devil's going to be loosed, let out. Listen, after a thousand years of peace with Jesus ruling on the earth and, and, and us being mayors and under, under mayors and street sweepers and whatever else we're going to be, uh, you would think that everybody would be willing to follow Jesus. But mankind is wicked. When the devil gets loose, he's going to take a bunch of people with him, turn them against Jesus in that thousand-year peaceful rule. Then they're going to have the final battle uh, uh, on the earth where they're going to point, the, the Bible says they're going to point all their weapons at the Lord. There ain't no weapon that can beat our God. It says at the conclusion of that final battle, the Scripture says the earth will be renovated as by fire. So this whole earth that we're on is going to get burnt up. Well, we're the first generation that can really properly understand that. If they point all of their weapons, if every nation around the world points all of their weapons at God, who is everywhere, they're going to look. What kind of, what kind of big weapons do people shoot off in this, in, that could happen in this generation? Nuclear. When all these nukes blow up, guess what the earth's going to do? Going to burn up all over the earth, renovated by fire. Then the Bible says that there'll be a new heaven and a new earth descending, and then we enter eternity. That's the wrap on how all that goes, and it's 1159. Come on, Jeff. Look at the clock. Who, me? I'm, it's 11.59. Oh, yeah, you should have took the bet. I'm not giving up these $200 boots. Oh, y'all laid that down. I didn't even put that in, 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 in the notes. I want you to fall in love with God, fall in love with his word, and I want you to start reading scripture. And I want you to believe that Jesus is coming back. Start coming out on Wednesday night Bible study. We talk about stuff like this. Start coming out on Wednesday night Bible study where you can learn some more about the faith you believe in. All this is going to happen to believers. What's going to happen to unbelievers? Unbelievers are going to be left behind to face all the horror of the tribulation. They're not going to be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord. They don't have eternity in heaven with God. That may be you here today. Why would you gamble eternity on maybe I'll get saved one day? The Bible says no man knows the day or the hour. I believe the Lord could come back right now. I believe that trumpet could sound right now, and there'd be some people in this room gone. But as sure as I'm breathing, I know there'd be some people in this room left. Don't be on the left side. Be on the gone side. Well, what makes a difference? What do I have to do? How good do I have to be? It's not about you being good. It's not about what you have to do. It's about what Jesus did on the cross. Do you really believe that Jesus Christ came to this earth, lived a perfect life, suffered and died on a cross, was buried and rose again the third day according to the Scripture? The Bible says if you believe that good news, then that you, are, you can be saved. Because if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says that's salvation for you. Is your confession that Jesus Christ is your Lord? Is he your boss? Is he your master? Does he have free reign to tell you what to do? Or are you still ruling your own world? The Bible says you can say it out of your mouth and not possess it in your heart. I want you to make sure that you're saved. If you're not saved, all you have to do is ask God to save you and he'll do it. We're not going to take time for invitation this morning. We saw a lot of people get saved here yesterday. If you need to get saved... All you have to do with all your heart is just cry out and ask God to save you. He said, if you search for me with your whole heart, you'll find me. Ask God to save you, and he'll do it. If you're here and you are saved, start realizing. Company's coming. Clean your house up. The Lord is going to return. This is promised, and our God cannot lie. He's going to come back one day. I hope it's today. I tell my family all the time, I hope it's today before I have to make that car drive home. I hope it's today. If it's not today, it's going to be one day. And I believe many people in this room will be alive when that day happens.
I just hope you'll be part of the group that gets to go up to heaven. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. Thank you, God, for the truthfulness of your word. Help us to understand truth. Help us to receive truth and live truth, God. I pray that you would save those who are unsaved in this room, God. I pray for those who are saved, Lord, that you would help us to be ready to watch as well as pray, God. I pray that you would help us to be watching, to be waiting, to be ready, to be prepared, to be doing what you've called us to do when you come. You are the Lord of our life. You are our confession and our hope. God, I pray that you would help us to live out that hope every day. Thank you that we don't have to grieve like others who have no hope. Thank you for the comfort that resurrection provides for us. Help us to live with eternity in our mind every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.